This is where kindness lives. Nextdoor's global podcast, your one-stop shop for all things kind. Here's your host, Jenny Sager. Some would say the Tenderloin in San Francisco is one of the most dangerous neighborhoods in America, but for others, it's a heartwarming community. The reality, though, is that there are mental health issues, drug problems, and homelessness right through the area. And that's why hundreds of people rely on nonprofit organizations like Glide Memorial Church for a dose of kindness every single day. That comes in the way of free meals, a place to relax, and of course, hope for the future. Glide's Minister of Celebration, Marvin K. White, and Chief Impact Officer, Jean Cooper, welcome to Where Kindness Lives. Thank you. Thank you. So one of the things we always ask our guests first is, what does kindness mean to you? What does kindness mean to me? I think um, at this point in my life, like I had a very different understanding or belief about what kindness is. And today, um, I believe that kindness is about, you know, treating others, you know, um, as if how I would want to be treated, but that's, it's deeper than just being nice, right? It's sort of like with compassion, empathy, um, self-awareness like understanding like why is this person bothering me and like being able to like you know override that and 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 be present with them um and listen um it's not sugary sweet it's about um respecting and honoring humanity someone's humanity and for me in the context of of church you know what's the biggest field of kindness that we can provide this community and for us it's sunday celebration and what a break from the cruelty of the world to open up this space that is based in kindness. So it is both how do I treat myself kindly, mm -hmm. but then how do I open up a space for the widest amount of people to experience it as well. And you're showing kindness for so many people, which we're going to talk about. But when you think about your own life, is there someone that stands out that was very kind to you? Yeah, for me, it's all, you know, I'm a mama's boy and a grandmama's boy and the kindness that my grandmother showed me as a kid, taking me under her apron when the world was too rough and tumble for a sensitive man and boy, and she allowed me to just hide um, with her. And that kindness really, I think the, why I survived is because she extended that kindness. And for me, I think the first person I thought of was Rita Shimon. Mm -hmm. And Rita Shimon um, is a former executive director of Glide, and she was the woman that hired me many years ago. And um, she was always available for me, no matter what, and um, would listen and let me be upset if I needed to, and she would like hear and see me. And that was like the first instances of really being um, held with love and compassion in a way that there was no judgment. And so I would say Rita. Amazing. Well, it's about eight o'clock in the morning here. It's a busy scene outside. Can you set the scene for everyone who's watching or listening? Sure. So, um, you know, San Francisco's waking up mm -hmm. and it, everyone, like everyone across the city, they're getting ready, they're going to work. And that is no different from the people that we serve at Glide. And they are waking up and being asked to leave the shelters that they're in. They are waking up from, you know, living on the streets or, you know, they're hungry and, and it's time, you know, to fill their bellies. And so what's going on outside is that um, most people are coming to us right now and they're standing in line. We have a line going up, up uh, Jones Street now. Uh, to wait for a hot breakfast and a cup of coffee and um, love. 
And what's the scene of the tenderloin in general for people that aren't familiar with San Francisco or the area? So the tenderloin, um, actually, I've been here for a long time now working, and it's not much different than it was 20 years ago. It is um, the center of San Francisco. It is, uh, to me, it is the heart of it, um, and it represents um, the like the beloved community that that um, you know we've heard Mar Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. talk about, and Cecil has talked about you know as long as he's been here, everyone's here. It's like rich, poor, black, white, immigrant, uh, native. Um, everyone's in the Tenderloin, and, um, and and because of the history of San Francisco, it is also one of the most impoverished neighborhoods in the city. And so you see the mix, and and what's so beautiful about it is that people are alive and they're authentic. We're not hiding behind masks. We're not hiding behind you know big nice doors. Um, and in our safe little homes, it's like we're all out on the street, mm -hmm. and um, and it's it's beautiful, and it's a music, and it can be scary for some, and it's because we're authentic, we're real, and um, and this is what life is. Anything to add to that, Marvin? Yeah, I I think the other thing about the Tenderloin is that we we disrupt this narrative that it's a containment zone. This is where people are forced to go who are poor, who are marginalized. And it's not that. People come to the Tenderloin of their own volition all the time. This is the community they want to live in. You know, the Tenderloin has the highest population of black folks in San Francisco right now. And that's an amazing statistic to know because black folks are 2.9 percent of the population now, and most of them are gathered here in the TL. I live three blocks away from here, and as people are going to work, like Jean said, it's interesting to see people make their way to Glide as well. And this is a lot of people's work. People don't think that poverty takes a lot of work, um, but there are people who are feeding whole families by standing in line multiple times for food to get enough for whole families. So I love this idea of people going to all kinds of work and this sometimes being work for some. Yeah, tell me about the kinds of people that you see come here because I think there's a little bit of a misconception that it's all homeless people and that's not true at all. That is not true. I've experienced, you know, just the microcosm of the larger world. There are black people, white people, trans people, undocumented people, you know, seniors. I've seen kids in line. Um, and it is the widest cross-section. There are working poor folks um, who have to come here for meals. We see people in suits as much as we see people that are shoeless as well. So it is the widest range of folks. But we always want to point out that there are women in line, even though when you look at the line, you see mostly men. But there are women and there are whole families in line as well. So, um, you know, Glide's mission is to create or um, adjust loving community mobilized to alleviate suffering and break the cycles of poverty. And when we talk about that community, like so, so our, our mission is not to solve homelessness and mm -hmm. it's not to um, end poverty, you know, it is to create a community that is mobilized to do so. And so what's a misconception about Glide too is that we only serve the unhoused. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, we actually, we serve all people who feel marginalized and that could be spiritually mm -hmm. and that could be emotionally and that could be you know whatever that looks like for folks and so 
I think um, what happens a lot of times when you come to Glide, people make this idea that we're just focusing on this very small group of people that need our services desperately. But we're actually like, you know, this, all of us here in this room are here because we need to be spiritually yeah. fed. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that is something that we just, we forget about. And all of us can learn something and then we can go back in the world. And this is part of kindness, right? Have an understanding and a compassion and love for those people that are in the, in the front of our building. And then to go out and try to change the systems in the world that make that happen. Mm -hmm. Definitely, and that mission itself is so similar to Nextdoor. Like our mission at Nextdoor is to cultivate a kinder world where everyone has a neighbor and a neighborhood mm -hmm. to rely on. We are neighbors, yeah. Nextdoor and Glide are neighbors. Tell me a little bit about how you see your mission and our mission connecting. So like I said, our mission is to create this, basically a beloved community. Yeah. And if you go back to uh, Martin Luther King Jr.'s speech, what does that look like? It's all people mm -hmm. and that we come together with um, compassion, empathy, love, mm -hmm. tolerance, and, and that together we work for justice. And, um, and so when I think about your, your um, mission and your community, I mean, one of the things that could be, you know, super cool is that we were to come together and that we would be able to extend our reach to your community mm -hmm. and to help your community kind of cultivate the values of Glide. Yeah. And you know, how do we come together and are radically inclusive and we love everyone and that we speak truth. We speak truth to what we're seeing on the streets wherever we are in the United States and beyond. And, um, and to try to come together and like really create a world where we, you know, we love and tolerate each other and that there's justice and, you know, and we don't see that out there. Mm -hmm. and, and so I think that's one way that, you know, our, our missions could come together, if you will, and, and really try to change the world. Yeah, at Nextdoor, we really try to remind people that you can disagree, you can mm -hmm. have different opinions, but you can do that in a respectful way and still get along. It doesn't matter if you come from two totally different walks of life. You can get along, you can respect that about each other. And that's, I think, pretty similar to Glide as well, isn't it? it it's definitely similar to Glide. We serve the most marginalized and the most hot button, hot topic, you know, issues around the world. We, we have an encampment across the street where folks are trying to sweep up homeless folks they're there. We have harm reduction here. We're passing out clean needles and doing needle exchange. And that's not everyone's idea about how to help a community. We have a, a court mandated um, men, men's violence prevention program as well. And these are all the people that the world would rather not see. And these are our neighbors. Mm -hmm. So I think the work between Nextdoor and Glide is for us to introduce you to our neighbors as well, so they can become your neighbors as well. Love that. Let's talk a little bit about your neighbors. Mm -hmm. Jean, you've been here 18 years. That's a long time. I lived here, I'm gonna age myself a bit here, but I lived here 20 years ago. <laughs> and this issue was here 20 years ago Absolutely. when I was here. Can you talk a little bit about why in the Tenderloin it seems to be more prevalent here than other parts of the city? Um, Marvin said we try not to use the term containment zone, mm -hmm. but um, practices in San Francisco over generations um, has uh, produce segregated neighborhoods. And, and there's things that can happen in some neighborhoods that aren't acceptable in others. And so, for example, what you see out front here is absolutely not acceptable in, sea, in Seaside mm -hmm. or, or you know, up on Knob Hill. And so there has been policies and practices in our city that kind of um, 
sweep it away from affluent neighborhoods, and then mm -hmm. you, so they concentrate in those neighborhoods where um, the policies are different, and and you see it all over America, right? And so what happens in the United in in the Tenderloin is not different than what you'd see in any metropolitan or even in a suburb city, right? That there's, you know, there's the wrong side of the tracks. And so, um, so that is what, you know, you see outside. And so that's what's been different. And so throughout the years, you know, this neighborhood has been where all the SRO hotels are. So single mm -hmm. occupancy residency. So singles, you know, back in the day, it was like, this is where all the single people lived. And, and then it turned into Skid Row. And, mm -hmm. and so that has been the evolution of this neighborhood. And as San Francisco has changed over the years, it's gotten more and more concentrated here. And then there's other places on the margins of San Francisco where you can see it as well. And, um, and that has just been tolerated. We heard from a drug user who used to deal and who takes fentanyl who says he saw one person take fentanyl once and it destroyed his life from that moment on. He left his job, his family, and his life and then went on a spiral downwards on the streets. We were also just talking to James about fentanyl and how it's affected things in the area. Can you talk a little bit about that and, and how that's changing things right now? So back when I started, it was a, the crack cocaine mm -hmm. epidemic, and it was the same, very, very same picture outside. In fact, probably more violent, um, yeah. to be honest. I mean, people literally had guns out on Ellis Street, right? It was, it was a very, very different scene, but very similar. Um, and so what we're seeing, I mean, in my, so I'm in recovery. So I have, um, I'm clean and sober, and so I have lived experience. And so what we're seeing on the street, in my opinion, is just a lot of people who have experienced trauma. Mm -hmm. They have um, been disenfranchised for whatever reason. They've lost, they might have had a medical issue and, and become bankrupt from it, and they don't have another choice, and they're suffering. Mm -hmm. And so um, drugs and alcohol are a ways in which to medicate that, you know, that suffering, mental illness. We do not have... Uh, uh, a supply of services for the mentally ill. So how do you manage that? You you take drugs and alcohol. That's just reality. And so what we're seeing outside, I think, are many, many people who um, have been disenfranchised for whatever reason, who have been left out of the system, and they have um, been introduced in some way, shape, or form to drugs and alcohol. And in this case, it's fentanyl. And the thing about it is that it's not really a choice at that point. Mm -hmm. You know. We talk about it, you know, in the recovery world, is that it's a, um, a mental obsession and a physical, a physical craving. Like once you start, your body tells mm -hmm. you you have to have it, and nothing, nothing can get in the way of that. And if you understand that, right, that it's like nothing can get in the way with that, that you can understand why people lose everything. Yeah. And fentanyl, as you know, is probably one of the most addictive drugs we've ever seen. And um, it is now in everything. So if you're smoking pot, you know, you might actually have fentanyl in it. You know, if you're doing cocaine, it's been cut with fentanyl. And so it's highly, highly addictive. And so that's what we're seeing outside. It is unbelievable. And, um, and there's, I mean, there is a solution. And it's not about necessarily just, you know, putting people in you know, jail or institutions to try to get it because it doesn't really work. And so we need to find other ways that are humane, that are loving, that are kind to be able to manage the, the, what we're seeing out there, and across America. Yeah. I, I would add, 
you know, I want to make sure that when we talk about people in the throes of addiction disorders, that we recognize that they don't just appear, mm -hmm. that they come from somewhere. And they come with stories and they come with, with probably generations of trauma um, and how it, it, how it shows itself right now through a drug addiction disorder is what we're seeing you know, here in these streets. So it's always important that they don't become magical you know, drug users, but that we recognize that they come with a story, even if the chapter of that story is that they're using fentanyl. Where Kindness Lives, we'll be back in a moment. Hey, you know what's really great for earning some extra cash? Nextdoor's for sale and free. Basically, it's where you go on and you can sell things that you have lying around the house. You can even swap them with neighbors, like household appliances, gardening items, pet supplies, furniture. You can really put anything on there. It's really simple. Just look around your house, see what you're not using anymore, and I bet somebody is going to want it in the neighborhood. And guess what? It also keeps waste out of the landfill and helps the environment, which is really, really awesome, and it's so easy to use. Just download the free Nextdoor app or go to nextdoor.com and start turning that trash into treasure right now. Are the people that are out on the street that you're serving in the morning, same people that come into the church? Are they different? It... Yeah, they're both different and the same. So we have a table we set outside every Tuesday. It's our prayer table, and it's something we just have been doing about a year this time. And we transcribe the prayers of the folks who are in line for food, dozens of prayer slips every day come in. And we bring those prayers into our prayer group circle. And if you wanna know how this community is doing, the best way is to read their prayer request. And it is not only for food, housing, clothing, but it's for joy, it's for safety, it's for family. And we have several tracks of church. We have a couple sanctuaries, we have our our big sanctuary here, um, which is mostly folks of privilege who come. And then we have a Freedom Hall downstairs um, sanctuary where folks with their belongings can come in who don't feel comfortable or don't even wanna come up here because we have a big screen TV, we do a simulcast, we serve coffee and donuts and they can charge their phones and they can have their stuff with them. And that is church. They could be in the middle of mental health crisis. They can walk around. They can just do what they need to do to be comfortable. And we bring the two together. You know, we talk about the other parts of this community that this community of folks who come into the sanctuary step over to come into the sanctuary. So we make sure that we connect folks of privilege to folks who are suffering every Sunday. And Marvin, you mentioned earlier when we were talking that this is actually your first job as a yeah. minister. Yeah. My gosh, what a place to start out. Yeah. What was it like for you on day one here? Yeah, it was so easy. Um, no. Um, <laughs> um, it, you know, it was, it was easy in a way because the legacy that I walked into and the vision that was cast is so strong. I only had to just grab a hold of it. What Cecil, what the Reverend Cecil Williams started doing in the 60s really prepared us for this moment. So every decade a crucible moment. The 60s anti-war, the 70s, you know, early queer organizing, early women's organizing, early indigenous peoples organizing, the 80s crack, just on and on. And this church was there and transformed itself for that community. And once I understood that, I knew that the work was to make this church 
available for what is happening today. And that, that vision is still very strong. And so it became very clear that we are a church of liberation theology, that we believe that if there is a place where there is a God or a Christ, that they come from the tenderloin and they go out into the world and do all the work, but they come home to the tenderloin. This is not passed by. So understanding liberation theology and understanding this, this radical inclusivity and unconditional love that the Reverend Cecil Williams and um, Janice Mercatani started, once I grabbed hold, it was, it's, it's good work. And I've been here for many church services. It's pretty powerful. Yeah. So like real talk, how did you feel? Were you nervous? Were you just excited? What, what were you feeling it's, emotionally? It, it's a combination of both. Um, I, am, I came here as a storyteller. Um, Janice Mercatani, our beloved co-founder who has passed away, um, was a, a San Francisco poet laureate and Cecil Williams, this charismatic black preacher from the South and I'm their love child. So <laughs> it, is, it has been, um, at the heart of it, I just wanna tell a story that helps people and, and people respond with, I can tell my story. There's no parts of me that I have to hide. Everything is of use. Everything I went through, everything I smoked, everything I stole, everything that happened. You mean I can say that out loud? And hopefully all of my words reflect that to people. And how did you personally end up in this role? Like, did you, when you were a kid, did you think about doing this? Like, what was your journey to get here? No, I have friends who are pastor and pastors and clergy who used to line up the rocks in the backyard and play church. Um, that was not me. Um, I rolled out of the End Up, which is a club here in San Francisco, oh, yeah. Yeah. and went to seminary because I wanted to be a better writer. I wanted to learn how to write about the LGBTQ folks that I come from and the black folks that I come from on a deeper spiritual level. I caught the bug um, in seminary that there's a possibility that I might wanna be a parish minister at a church. And one fateful Sunday, one of my, um, one of my classmates designed a celebration at school and brought, they're in the choir here, and they brought the whole church to my school. And I read a poem as a part of that service. And Karen Olavito, the then senior pastor, asked me where I was doing my internship. And I was looking for like a retreat center so I can sit around on cushions for two years, but she <laughs> brought me here. And next thing I know, I was an intern here for two years from 2014 to 2016. And the, the deal is you only preach twice. I preached 18 times in two years and really got my chops under Cecil Williams and Janice Mercatani. Do you feel like now is more of an important time than maybe ever before for Glide, given we've come out of the pandemic, we are in a global recession. I mean, times are tough for everybody right now. Yeah, I, I, there's never, pardon my double negative, there's never not a need for, for spirituality or for the possibility that something else is, is happening that's bigger than yourself. Um, you know, the, I think the, what's most important about what Glide, we're a community anchor. So we've never closed our doors. And so even the, symbol, the symbolism of this building that is a church means something to folks, means that there is someone who is gonna be here 
to help. So we feed people physically and we feed people spiritually as well. We feed the physically broken and we feed those who are broken by three years of the pandemic. And the Reverend Cecil Williams says, we're all in recovery. So your workaholism and my alcoholism, there's nothing you know, different than those. So, you know, but this, you know, this moment of coming through the pandemic um, where we're all broken and are all indelibly reshaped, um, it's more important now, I think, to make sure that people have a place to process, you know, the trauma that we all just experience. And is this something, to put it in really simple terms, that kindness can help solve? Yes, and, and it's the connection, mm -hmm. you know, and I think, um, you know, uh, Marvin has uh, hearkened the great, you know, Reverend Cecil Williams. It's like we, um, it's about this radical inclusivity that mm -hmm. we talk about is about connection, like that all of us in what he means by when we're in recovery is we're all recovering from the human condition. Mm -hmm. We're all mm -hmm. born, you know, flawed with stuff, right? <laughs> Doesn't matter. Doesn't yeah. matter where you are. We're all, and so it's. This is an opportunity for us to to reconnect, and um, to understand, mm -hmm. and and to be with people. Like when we're separate, we can be. That's where we we develop the stories of hatred, and difference. Mm -hmm. And so we we understand that to to break that that bond, mm -hmm. if you will, is to come together and to be in community. And um, and so while we've done that for the last 60 years, and like, like you said, every generation, every decade is a crisis. Like we've, I mean, this is not, this is nothing new, but um, how can we use what we've learned in the past mm -hmm. to bring people together today? And, and I think now there's actually a, um, a craving, a desire, uh, a, um, a longing for connection and kindness. And, and so now the opportunity is ripe you know, to be able to really engage people and bring them closer so that we can recover together, yeah. you know? If I might, you know, I think this decade with the advent of technology and cell phones and the way that the media works, you can see more cruelty mm -hmm. in the world than ever. And it's quick and it's all the time. It's in the newsfeed and we have to counter that narrative. We have to be kind and we have to understand the kindness in this decade, using the technology, understanding the, the suffering in the world and designing a technology of kindness that we can spread out into the community. And we do that through every program at Glide. And that's exactly what we're doing at Nextdoor as well. I mean, kindness is grounded in everything we do, whether that's in product. We have features like the kindness reminder where it helps people create posts that are kinder. Similarly, just a couple of weeks ago, we launched an AI function where if you're typing something, you can click on that and it helps you create your post in a kinder way and kinder words. And so we really ground everything we do in using tech for good, yeah. as you said. And Nextdoor was originally created to actually combat social isolation and loneliness mm -hmm. and give people a way to connect online first, but then with the goal of connecting you in real life so you can form a, a true meaningful connection. And do you see some of that loneliness with the people that come through the door at Glide? Because there was some research just a week ago about how one out of every two American adults feel lonely every week now. We experience it every Sunday. 
Um, we've been in a pandemic for over three years and you know, sheltering in place and isolation went hand in hand. It is taken a lot for people to come back into community. Um, and people are like literally like creeping back in. Sometimes I think about church as a re-entry program because we have to re-socialize people, you know, how to be in beloved community again because folks have been isolated and this pandemic has really reshaped us. We had a, a debate yesterday about how long the community embrace should be in our church service. And someone's like, we need to do away with it. No one wants to hug anymore. Stop doing that. And other people were like, we need more of this. We need to spread this around. So we understand that it's a, it's a contested space right now, um, but kindness, you know, and understanding that we are bringing folks back into that. And the antidote for me is the community embrace. Choir singing. Yeah. My gosh, you are definitely bringing people together through the music. Tell us about the choir and how they connect people as well. Yeah, the choir is an amazing, amazing program, really, of the church because they actually do a service. Um, when the Reverend Cecil Williams came here originally, he, you know, stopped using the pipe organ and brought in jazz, blues, and funk and gospel music into the sanctuary. And then the choir started, and it is multiracial, it is intergenerational, it is you know, straight and gay. There are trans folks in the choir. And so when you're, first of all, when you see it, when you see the Glide Ensemble, you see what beloved community actually looks like, and you can see yourself in there. And when we begin to sing along, when all of us raise our voices together, we are teaching folks that there's a greater likelihood that we'll be heard if we can sing together, if we can raise our voices together. And it doesn't hurt that they just sound amazing mm -hmm. as well. And we're singing songs that are really the soundtracks of this moment that are giving people hope and encouraging folks and speaking to resilience. And the songs really help and do a service here. We're gonna have a bit of fun in a minute where we get to ask you all kinds of questions and what we call our kind carousel. But first, I just wanna make sure we give you a chance to let people know whether they're nearby in San Francisco or anywhere else in the US or around the world, how can they help Glide? Great, so there's many ways. Um, first of all, you can go to our website, glide.org, and um, there's, you can see all the work that we're doing. So we still have quite a bit of um, our programming that's virtual so you can join a celebration on sunday mm -hmm. you can join one of our we have a, a center for social justice and so we have a virtual series mm -hmm. that um, we bring people from our community talking about justice in san francisco and beyond um, i think we actually have one t next week mm -hmm. next thursday night mm -hmm. um, so check that out you can volunteer here so uh, because we're coming back so we are coming back into community here at glide which means we are 
um, asking our volunteers to start to come back. Uh, it was all, it, they didn't weren't feeling comfortable coming back because of COVID. So our volunteerism is getting up and running again. And so people can sign up for a meal shift or other ways to be of service here at Glide and to our community. And then you can also donate. I mean, if you're farther away, I mean, it, it takes every penny for us to keep doing the work that we're doing. And so if someone wants to, you know, uh, reach out to us directly or go through our uh, website to make a donation, we would very much appreciate it. Um, and then also is um, learning about the work we do. Mm -hmm. I mean, anyone could pick up a book and learn about you know, how to be an anti-racist, mm -hmm. how to um, be of service in your own community. Homelessness and unhoused people are everywhere in the United States now. And so how can you step up and step into being a part of the solution and, and bring love to that part, you know, to, the, to these other parts of the community and, you know, um, Glide is special and San Francisco is obviously in the news right now about, you know, all of the things that we're trying to handle here, but it's everywhere in the United States. Yeah. And, and I think that if someone hearing us today can take what, to, if they're inspired to do something, you just have to go out in front. And it could be bringing coffee to the, to the lady that, you know, like, you know, just, you know, is living alone down the street and asking her if she's okay. You know, it starts there. So. Starts with kindness. Small Starts acts with of kindness. kindness. And you don't even have to go very far. As you say, next door. Yeah. You know, just next door. You know, we, we say at church every Sunday, you know, go outside and, and recognize someone. Say good morning. Mm -hmm. Look them in the face because more than likely they have not heard their name called in days, weeks, probably months. No one has acknowledged them, looked them in the eyes and said, I recognize your humanity. That's such a small thing that we can all do. And you can come to the Tyndall and you can come to church because you will come face to face with the thing that probably scares you the most, the thing that's most opposite you, all of this suffering. And you will literally have to step over it and walk around it to come into church. And we will send you out with a charge that you have to be kind to folks. And so how do you go out and do that? And you just acknowledge, that's the first step, that there is someone out there who is closer to you and like you than you have ever imagined. And so there is also, you know, one way that folks can participate. Small acts of kindness have Small. a giant impact on yes. this. Yes. Okay, let's have a bit of fun. So we talked a little bit about the choir and some music. When you're not here at work, what are you listening to? What's on your playlist? Yeah, house music all night long, yes. I have been listening to uh, a funk playlist personally <laughs> and get, look at me like, surprised. <laughs> I am born of the era of funk music, right? So I turn it up very loud and I dance and clean the house. Amazing. It makes me very happy. <laughs> um, can either one of you sing? No. Not, not, not after you've heard of the choir. <laughs> I auditioned for the choir and I'll leave it no. there. <laughs> Were they unkind? <laughs> no, it was actually very kind. Um, the choir director, Vernon Bush, said, okay, sing, you know. He put a note and said, okay, hit that note, duh. And I said, uh. <laughs> I said, oh, try this one, duh. I went, uh. And he said, okay, try to sing like I sing. So he sang a note and I matched it. And he said, oh, that's the kind of singer you are. You need to be with someone and match their voice. So it was the most freeing 
thing and the most kind thing I had ever heard about, about my voice and what it means to come into voice. And they do that with every ensemble member. Amazing. Yeah. I don't think they can, well, they, I'm not sure they could turn me into a <laughs> Okay, so here we are filming this today. Imagine we're making a movie about Glide. Who's gonna play you in the movie? Who's gonna play Ooh, me? Meryl, me, Meryl Streep. <laughs> um, that's a great question. Oh, um, what's her name? She was, um, she's the, she lives in Bolinas. Yes. Um, and she was, you know, she's like a scrappy, yeah. scrappy lady. That's me. Okay. Um, okay, so we've got Meryl Streep and scrappy lady. Yes. Scrappy lady. Yes. <laughs> Okay, last question. What's one of your favorite spots in San Francisco besides Glide, obviously? You know, I've only, this is the first time I've lived in San Francisco. At 57, I moved here, and, the, and I live three blocks away from here. And I know it sounds hokey, but the TL, the Tenderloin, is my favorite place in the world right now. There is such a diverse and vibrant mix of folks, and we have to train ourselves to see where the beauty is and where the kindness is. And it's happening all around us. Yes, there are folks who are in camp, folks who are in the middle of drug addiction disorders, but there is a training, a retraining you have to do of yourself in the Tenderloin to force yourself to see where the beauty is and where the kindness is. And that work has just transformed you know, my life. And so me and my 130 pound dog love it here in the Tenderloin right now. Of course, I need to ask you what kind of dog that is now. She is a Great Dane Mastiff Rescue. Oh my yeah. gosh, amazing. Well, Marvin and Jean, thank you so much for joining us here today. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you. We are just so thrilled that you're our neighbors and this is just the beginning of what will be a long-standing relationship between us as neighbors, I know. So thank you for your time. And of course, if anyone wants to start connecting with their neighbors, no matter where you live, you can download the Nextdoor app or you can go to nextdoor.com. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.